friends, welcome back. We're here for another episode of the Inspire Literacy podcast. This is episode 14. And um, today we're going to talk about, it's sort of a continuation, right, of last week. Um, last week, we kind of launched into some thinking about conferences. And um, today we're going to talk about the art of the compliment. Right, Shara? Yes. We are going to talk about those powerful words that we call compliments during our conferences. Yeah. And, you know, you're probably thinking like, why, why start here? Um, I think it, as we're, we were thinking last week, it's so important to start to build that trust in the relationship with our students in our class. And um, we really feel like a compliment conference um, is a great way to, to start building that trust in those relationships. Well, so, it also becomes part of our Research Decide Teach conferences too. We always, um, or a table conference, table, table conference, any sort of time that you're meeting with kids, I think if we can just get better at the compliment, those relationships are gonna go, grow stronger. Absolutely. So we thought we would dive right in and demonstrate, right? For you guys, um, some little compliment conferences. So we're gonna do a little role playing here, <laughs> which is always super fun to do, right? <laughs> we sometimes um, invite teachers that we work with to do this, but, um, you know, we thought it, it's always helpful, right, to have a vision of how a conference could go. So um, I am going to start. I'll be the teacher and Shara, you can be the student and we'll just pretend that we're in an upper grade, you know, classroom. So are we ready, Shara? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Shara, how's it going? It's good. I'm reading a really funny book right now. I love it. Oh, that's so exciting. What is the book? I'm reading Stink, the Incredible Shrinking Kid. I oh love my goodness. I, books. I love that book. I love that series. Yes, me it's too. Interesting that, it's interesting that you say it's funny, like you're catching on to the humor of it, right? Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about um, the thinking work that you're doing as you read the book. So I am really thinking about Stink and how he's feeling in a lot of places um, in the book. And I'm also doing a little bit of thinking about um, his sister because she's causing a lot of problems. So I'm just kind of interested to see how, how she contributes, keeps contributing to the problem. Mm -hmm. So true. Well, let's, let's think about that for a minute. Can you tell me a little bit more about um, Stink? And you said you're thinking about how he's feeling. Have you done some of that thinking inside of your book? I see you have some post-its there. Yeah, yeah. Kind of so, walk me through. What, is, what, are, what are you thinking? Right away, just in a couple pages in, um, I have a post-it and it says, Stink is frustrated because he's not growing. So basically, he wants to grow. And so Judy, his sister, is measuring him every morning and he's super frustrated. Um, and that's true for the, like, they have another post-it right here, page nine, frustrated. And how do you know he's frustrated? Like, did the book come out and say it or how did you know it? 
No, I, um, I'm listening to his, what he's saying. And also there's a picture here with his face and he's looks a little mad, but I think he's more than mad. I think he's frustrated. Lovely. Lovely. Shar, can I give you a compliment? Yeah. (laughs) So it's really nice that you're the kind of reader that knows it's important to think about the characters in the books that you're reading. And one of the things we can study inside of our books is how are our characters feeling? And in the books that you're reading right now, the, the, the texts aren't going to just always come right out and tell you how your character's feeling, but you have to do the work just like you did inside of this book. And you have to notice the character's actions. If there's a picture, you might study the picture like you did on that page. Um, You might also have to pay attention to the words that the character is saying. And then you ask that question of how is my character feeling, right? So this is important work that you should continue to do, not just in stink, not just in this book, but all the books that you're reading, right? Over and over and over again, study your characters and think, how are they feeling, right? And I love that you're tracking it on post-its. That's really great, right? Because as you move on, you might notice that his feelings are going to, of course, change across the book, right? So we might sort of track that. Great, awesome. Lovely, Shara. Wow, you really make me want to like keep doing this work. I got my post-its. I want to keep reading, stink, and do more post-its. I feel like uh, you made me feel really good. <laughs> yeah, right. You gotta love those those little compliments. Well, do we want to sort of unpack that one first a little bit? Yeah, do let's we want to let's do that. Okay. <clears throat> So, um, you know, a couple of things for our listeners, um, things to notice. One is, you know, hopefully you saw in the research phase of it, like it felt pretty casual, like a comfortable conversation, right, Shara? Mm -hmm. And you asked some, some questions just to kind of get to know what I was doing, but I could tell if we were in person, you were also looking at my book to say, oh, I see you have some post-its. I think that's really important that we're noticing not only what kids are saying, but also what they're doing. I could be looking over a shoulder and and looking at a notebook or looking at post-its. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think also sort of opening it up with like a broader question first to let Mm -hmm. the child lead right? Um, That's something I'm always thinking about. Um, So I think I asked like, how's it going? (laughs) Or I even said like, what kind of thinking work are you doing? And then you sort of led down that path. You said, I'm studying my characters, um, how she's, he's feeling. And then, you know, you talked about the sister. So, um, you know, I already know that you're thinking about characters so I can can start to name back for you what what you're doing you sort of led that right yes and we know that we kind of have to teach kids how to answer those kinds of questions Mm -hmm. right don't think that or don't be discouraged that when you sit down with the child and you say how's it going and they say good (laughs) done Mm -hmm. right how many times does that happen like we kind of have to teach kids what what some appropriate responses are to that question 
or I oftentimes will ask, what are you working on as a reader? Mm -hmm. And they'll say, I'm reading stink. Exactly. That is always what they're working on the book. They'll just name the book. So we, that comes with time Mm -hmm. of how do we respond as the, the student to how's it going? What kind of thing? Yeah. What are you working on? And I think often what happens when I first start conferring in classrooms and kids aren't used to that, um, they will start to just give me a retail. Yeah. Right. They'll be like, oh, I'm reading stink and it's a book about blah, blah, blah. And this is happening and this is happening. And when that, when they start to do that, I'll automatically um, sort of stop them and I'll say, oh, wait, wait, you're, you're giving me a retail, which is great. Right. That's great. But um, I'm more interested in the kinds of thinking work you're doing. And so I may even point back to the chart that's hanging in the classroom. And I might say something like, um, you know, let's take a look at this together. Have you tried any of this yet? You know, just to help them, Uh um, focus in. And, and the more that I do that, they realize again, their expectations inside of the conference, like, oh, she's not looking for me to retell all the little details. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, and then in terms of the, um, compliment, right. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I'm always trying to do, um, when I'm complimenting is to name, um, both a skill and a strategy attached to it that I'm really trying to keep it process based, mm-hmm. you know, like if I were just to have said to you, Shara, oh, great. You're inferring character feelings. Good job. Um, I don't know if it would have been as powerful of a compliment for you in place of that, I said, Oh, you know, you're thinking about your character feelings. You're doing that by studying, um, you know, how your character is acting and they're thinking and the dialogue. And that helps you think about, um, you know, how are they feeling? So, um, how, right. We've talked about that before the what and the how we want to include both of those in, in the compliment. I also think that you, um, being so specific and so process driven, you weren't just like, good job. (laughs) Nice work. Mm -hmm. You're a smart reader. Look at Mm. that smart work, right? Like it was much more specific and not necessarily your opinion of me but just what good readers do or what readers do when they read. Mm -hmm. And I'll say that's something I had to work on as, um, you know, over the years. Yeah. I know when I first started complimenting um, readers or writers, um, I I made the mistake might not be the right word, but, um, you know, I would say things like, Oh, I, I love how you, mm-hmm. or I would say like, you're a good reader because, right. To put these conditions, um, on it. And, um, it wasn't actually until, um, I got some feedback from a coach I was working with and she helped me realize that I really needed to start shying away from that, um, you know, fixed mindset, um, feedback for kids, um, and really move into that, 
um, growth mindset, right? Like if I, if I say good readers do this or you're a good reader because of this, then I'm basically praising their ability mm-hmm. and not their effort, right? So um, that is something I have worked on and also that I'm very intentional, you know, um, with kids in terms of my language. Um, so I think I said to you, I said something like, you're the kind of reader who. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the one I use the most too, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard. That's really hard. And kids want to, kids want to please us inherently, right? And so if we are keeping it specific to, you know, what we think, or I love how you, right, they're just going to do it to please us Mm -hmm. instead of to do it in this book and the next book to build that independence and build that agency across across text. And you did such a nice job with that at the end when you were like, you're not just going to do this with this book, Mm -hmm. you're going to do it with other stink books and you're going to do it with all the books that you read. Um, again, the idea of keep doing this thing that you're doing. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that I always think about when I think about conferences is that any conference, no matter what kind of conference it is, it should build energy. It mm-hmm. should it should make the child when they walk, either I walk away from them or they walk away from me, right? It should, should make them feel like I want to do that again, right? Like I want to do this some more. I'm going to, I'm going to work harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you know, some of the, the things we've been talking about is really based on Carol Dweck's work, mm-hmm. right? Of course, she did that, um, all that work around growth mindset. And um, her research really indicated that kids are more willing to work hard at something when they believe that they can change their intelligence, right? So that goes back to that idea of, we wanna make sure we're complementing the effort and not just their, their ability, right? Um, and I think that, that does help propel them to want to do it more, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And encourage them to want to do it more. And that takes a little bit of work on our part too, to know what to compliment. Like you said, this is something that we've worked on for a while. Um, using your anchor charts is a great strategy, past teaching, um, knowing your bands of text complexity, or just knowing what's expected at different reading levels, just talking specifically about reading, um, mm-hmm. just having kind of a, a toolbox of things that you know, that kids need, um, mm-hmm. and that comes with time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, shall we try a primary example? All right, let's do it. Okay. So I'll be the primary reader. <laughs> okay. How's it going, Erica? It's good. I have a book here I'm reading. Oh, pup, pup, puppies. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you working on as a reader today? Well, I'm mainly just reading it um, at this point. And um, I really like some of the pictures. They're fun. And you know what? There's some tricky words in this book too, but I'm trying to do do my best to read it. Hmm. Can you pick a page? The page maybe that you're on. Mm-hmm. And read a little bit to me. Sure. 
think this is my favorite page because I really like this dog right here. It is fun to get a new pup, uh, pup, puppy. It is fun to get a new puppy, but a new puppy is a lot of work. A, I don't know that word. On, grown up, no wait, a grown up can show you how to take good care of your new puppy. Oh my gosh, Erica, you are doing such hard work in that book. Can I give you a compliment? Mm-hmm. You are the kind of reader who doesn't give up. You are the kind of reader who knows that you have to work a little bit hard through some of those words, and you're using so many strategies to figure out that word. You are not the kind of reader who just says a word that doesn't make sense or who skips a word and just goes on. You did so many great things. Let me tell you what you did. You first, with the word puppy, you started sound by sound. And then you put the sounds together and then you were like pup e. That's so smart. We want to look at parts and put the parts together just like you did. And then you did it again with grown up. You put the grr and then you said, I think you said growl. And then you were like, that doesn't make sense. So you looked more carefully at the word and you thought at the same time, what would make sense there? So you used that part of your brain too. So many good things that you did you didn't just skip it. And you didn't just say growl, right? That wouldn't make sense. I want to remind you that to do that every time you read, right? And just like you did, once you figure it out, go back and reread that whole sentence so that you can smooth it out. Oh my gosh, look at how many strategies you used. Can you do that on more pages in this book? I think so. Yeah. And can you do it in the next book? Mm-hmm. And the next book and the next book. And if you kind of forget what some of those strategies are, just remember, look up on our, our chart up there. We have so many strategies for tricky words. So good. Hooray. <laughs> good. I love that. I love that. And I think it's nice to have that little comparison too of like, I mean, we're calling it an upper grade conference versus a primary conference, mm -hmm. but um, in all reality, in the upper grades, um, we may still have some students that we would want to research um, their skills around decoding or even fluency. There may be times where we might say inside of a conference, hey, I'd love for, to listen to you read yeah. and have them lift their voice. Maybe you could talk for a minute, Shara, about like when to know inside of a conference, like, you know, are in primary grades, are we always listening to them read? Are we sometimes like, I think I get that question a lot. I'm sure yeah. you do too. Yeah. 
Um, I would say up to level H, and especially if you know that decoding is, I mean, it could be higher than H, but that's typically where we find decoding to be an issue. Um, based on your running records, if you know decoding is an issue, um, yeah, I wouldn't ask, like you didn't ask me to read stink, right? Um, so I would say up until level H would be decoding usually. And then around HIJ, if I'm checking in on fluency, I might have them read a little bit to me. Um, if that's, again, based on my assessments, kind of an area of focus. Um, so HIJ, fluency, and then once you get above K, unless decoding or fluency are coming up through your assessments, I wouldn't typically have kids read to me. Yeah, that's a great tip. Great tip for, for all of us, right? Whether we're primary or upper grade teachers. Absolutely. And, you know, in terms of um, your complement, um, you know, it's great that you're really naming all of the strategies, right, that I was attempting, which I think is really important, um, especially if we're talking about word attack strategy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because with word attack strategies, like often I'm not just doing one exactly. thing, right. I'm doing lots of things. It's sort of happening simultaneously even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's lovely that you really built in and you were, were able to be very specific um, for the reader, all of the strategies, um, you know, that I used. And I think that I could have even thrown in something that maybe you weren't quite doing, like maybe I could have said, and you're also getting a running start, even mm -hmm. though maybe you weren't quite getting a running start. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and I think sometimes it's okay to name like what they're almost doing that, like emerging strength or for mm -hmm. our reluctant readers, kind of like, what's the next little baby step that I can name for you? Cause we want kids again, to like leave that conference feeling like yeah, I did that. Mm -hmm. I did. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, the other thing I'm thinking across both of these conferences is like, um, you know, your role as the teacher versus my role as the student here. Um, and I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but um, primarily the student, right, is doing a lot of the thinking or a lot of the talking, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I love that. That's great. Mm -hmm. And both of these, I would say, I don't have, I didn't have my timer going, but are maybe three minutes, maybe four. Mm -hmm. Um, they're not super long, but I would say both in both instances, if we were the kids leaving those conferences, a real bang for our buck, right? Mm -hmm. Like that had a lot of power to it in yeah. that three or four minutes. Um, and as a primary student, I want you to keep using all those decoding strategies. And I want you to remember what they are. That's why I named them because mm -hmm. they're important. And, you know, as an upper grade student, you want me to keep doing this higher level comprehension work. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think they're minutes well spent for sure. Yeah. And, and like we talked about before, like the compliment is also part of our, if we're going to go into a teaching conference or the compliment is part of our, the beginning of the strategy group or mm -hmm. the compliment, you know, like I try to use this structure in so many places. 
Right. And I mean, many teachers are teaching reading, writing, math, social studies, science, like this whole idea of the art of the compliment um, really, I feel like can be transferred across subject areas, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, just a couple of big things that we've talked about, you know, today in terms of our criteria, we'll just recap. One is making sure it's specific yep. and not too general. Um, another thing is thinking about keeping it process-based, naming the skill and the strategy. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about Carol Dweck's work, um, making sure we're complementing the effort versus the ability. Mm -hmm. And then Shara, you were just talking about um, basically it, some of the um, compliments could be an emerging skill, something that maybe they're approximating or getting really close to, but not mm -hmm. quite yet doing, um, but we can sort of nudge them closer to um, mm -hmm. or encouraging them to do it more, right? Is there anything else that you would say are, are big in terms of criteria for compliments? I think just the pacing of it. Yeah. Gathering a little bit of research mm -hmm. and then going in for the compliment. Yeah. And maybe um, write it down. What? I said, and maybe write it down like we talked about last week. Just yep. a little record of it. Yep. And as the teacher, I think the final little thing is that um, I may have only delivered a compliment to you, but because I spent some time researching, yeah, um, I'm also thinking about some next steps. For so sure. like in the conference that I did with you, um, you know, something that I might've jotted down could have been like, I think that you're ready for that next step to push yourself beyond feelings and inferring yeah. feelings to really starting to think about what are some character traits, right? So I probably would have jotted that down mm -hmm. um, in my notes as sort of next steps for you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and so the idea is, and of course, once, like we talked about last week, once we get around to a lot of kids, we have some probably patterns and trends across yeah. our class. Um, and we don't need to repeat these conferences over and over again. Um, we may be able to just pull some small groups. Yep. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the final thing I will say is um, a friend of mine posted on, I think it was Facebook this week, this quote. And um, I don't know. I thought it was just a powerful quote. Um, it was by Clint Smith. He's an author. Um, he wrote the book, How the Word is Passed. Um, and he wrote, I've said this before, but one of the only reasons I'm a writer is because I had a teacher in third grade who looked at my poem about clouds and said, you can be a writer when you grow up. Mm. It stayed with me forever. Teachers, don't underestimate what your words can do for your students. And I love that. Isn't that so great? I love, love that. I mean, our words carry so much weight with our students. We have so much power. Mm -hmm. And um, I think both of you, both you and I do this. And I think we probably did this inside the conference. We are naming, we are calling kids readers. We are mm -hmm. calling kids writers. Um, 
right here and right now. You don't have to wait until you're an adult to be a writer. You don't have to wait till you're an adult to be a reader. You are a reader. And I think that's part of building that identity um, for our kids is being very intentional with our, our language. So yeah. I love that writing it down. I know. Isn't that great? <laughs> it's a good quote. It's a good one. Well, okay. So our, our call to action this week for you all, our, our listeners is to go try, go try it. Right. Yeah. Um, go try some compliment conferences. Um, hopefully we gave you some tidbits to be thinking about as you are complimenting and maybe just maybe you, um, already do this in reading and writing, and maybe you want to stretch yourself and think about what would this sound like in math, right? Mm -hmm. What would this sound like in social studies? Um, so yeah. Do we have any other, any other charge for, for our listeners this week? I don't think so. Keep sharing podcasts. Yes. Yes. Any it. other questions that you guys have about conferences in general, please, we'll continue to ask that you send them our way. Um, we have gotten some, some questions on our Instagram um, that we hope to address soon, but um, you know, we're, we're continuing to think about conferences, um, I think probably even into next week. So um, with that, we'll bid adieu. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.